0: I think one of the unique things I really have is perspective. Being somebody who's been on the front lines, working with our customers, consulting with, understanding their needs, implementing our solutions, I think gives me a better understanding of what sort of our people are going through on a daily basis. And I also think it gives me some maybe some greater empathy and understanding for kind of what both our customers and our people are going through. I think being in a variety of different roles as well has kind of kept me constantly challenged thinking about
1: problems differently. Hi, this is Trish Hussey and welcome to Inside Vontas. One of the great things about my job is I get to talk to really cool people. And today is no exception. Today I get to talk to the COO of Vontus, Eric Lehman, and to learn more about him and the things that are important to him, the things he's passionate about. Eric. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tris. It's great to be here. Oh yeah. I mean, we get to meet a little, we got to meet in person for the first time in Think Transit and you were injured and you're better now. You were in the green room, you were showing your battle scars. It's like that's intense. That's intense. Absolutely.
0: I so. uh, it definitely wasn't the easiest place to wear a suit, but you know, I went forward with it, kind of soldiered through, had a sling, had a, you know, an, an arm injury I was healing from, but definitely
1: on the up and up now. I'm feeling a lot better. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Now, so first let's start off. Tell us about yourself. Yeah.
0: Well, my name is Eric Layman. I'm born and raised here in Northeast Iowa. I guess technically now I live a little bit further south there, but born and raised in Iowa, been around here my whole life, born into a pretty musical family. My dad was a choir director, and so I've been around music my whole life. It's a big part of kind of my my growing up, I still play in a band actually right now. I play keyboard and sing backup vocals. So that's, you know, one of the big things I like to do in my free time. I also have for the past, oh, geez, 21 years, been an avid skateboarder and adrenaline junkie. That kind of translates a little bit into snowboarding too, which is actually how I got my arm injury in the first place. Uh, falling, going nine, uh, about 70 miles an hour down a, down a mountain in Colorado. So. Not a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, healing from it. And then uh, the biggest part of who I am, I would say I'm a husband to my uh, beautiful wife, Dana. And I, we have three kids, Owen, age nine, June, almost seven. And then Edith, who's age four. And then actually a fourth baby that's on the way here in about 15. Minutes. So
1: That's the big goal is to get the arm ready for, for when that little guy gets here. You know? For baby lifting. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yes. That being a dad is just one of those great job descriptions. You get it for life and you just try to do the best you can.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's you know, one of the most challenging things I've ever done. I mean, work has presented plenty of challenges along the way, but, you know, being a father is definitely something that I take great pride in.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. Now, I was reading your bio and you have a master's in urban and regional planning so how did you come to Trapeze Vontes? Because you started at Trapeze and, and how into public transit. How, what was that journey like?
0: Yeah. Well to take it even a step further back, I actually I graduated my undergrad from a small liberal arts school in northeast Iowa called Luther College, where I majored in sociology and minored in math and music. So kind of a wide array of skills that I had no idea what I was gonna do. So Kind of went right on to the University of Iowa and got a master's degree in urban and regional planning because it felt like a really good fit of sort of my, you know, interest in people, but also my interest in, you know, analytics and kind of what comes from the math side of my brain, if you will. But always kind of thought I would end up in public government working as an urban planner and just Serendipitously, I guess. I interned for a transportation planning organization here in Johnson County, where I live in Iowa City, where you know I did some riding of public transit vehicles and counting people that got on and off. And uh, the 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 guy that I worked for at the time knew somebody that was hiring at Trapeze actually and said, Hey, well, you know, I know this guy, he's hiring, you should you should apply. And I thought, well, sure, why not? I mean, that sounds great. So I did, and uh, they hired me, and I think it was the end of January, sort of my last semester at school. So I was like, awesome, I'm all set up, I've got a job ready to go. I actually even started at Trapeze, I think part-time in that March even, and the rest is kind of history. Yeah, I started on the Transit Master side of that business, working in sort of our CAD AVL product as a GIS data engineer, so that's kind of what tied in a little bit to my urban planning background, really the GIS transportation planning side. And then have had a variety of roles at Trapeze where I was ran our fixed route scheduling team, moved a little bit more into sort of the development and the, you know, uh, technical delivery space, took on a role as the director of technical delivery, and then uh, did that for probably I think four and a half years, and then stepped into the role as a COO at Vontus with the creation of Vontus.
1: So It's definitely been a wild ride but that's kind of how i ended up here yeah well that's gonna be my my next question all of these things that you've done at trapeze product delivery and and working with product how do you think that sets you up for success as coo well i think one of the unique you know
0: things i really have is perspective you know being somebody who's been on the front lines working with our customers, consulting with, understanding their needs, implementing our solutions, I think, you know, gives me a better understanding of what sort of our people are going through on a daily basis. And I also think it gives me some, maybe some greater, you know, empathy and understanding for kind of what both our customers and, you know, our people are going through. I think being in a variety of different roles as well has kind of kept me constantly challenged, you know, thinking about, problems differently you know it might have started out originally as well you know this you know certain piece of this solution isn't functioning properly and that's now expanded into well this solution maybe doesn't offer you know the breadth or the specific problem solving you know functionality that somebody needs to solve their unique problems so what are ways that we can kind of build upon that so it's been this sort of natural progression but really all rooted in, you know, problem solving, understanding how to, you know, find the root cause of something and then suggest a you know, a way to fix that or to make it better. And so that's kind of been, you know, present through the variety of roles that I've been in and a number of different problems in different ways. And it's maybe a little more abstract now than it was when I first started. But, you know, that's really, I think, what's allowed me to kind of set me up for success is being on that journey and being able to relate to both you know, our customers and the folks working with those customers at Pontus.
1: Yeah. So in your years, do you have any favorite projects that you like to look back on? Is like, yeah, that was, I mean, it could be favorite as in like, that was a huge challenge, but I survived, or that was just awesome. Like what stands out in your career?
0: Yeah. So I think a lot of my favorite projects are probably the ones that I was more intimately involved in, which were early on in my career. But I have a special place in my heart for the um, the Dallas Transit Master Implementation, cad Implementation. I think we, we won that project maybe in 2009, 2010. I'm not sure. In 2011 when I started, though, I was uh, working with them, doing kind of some system administrator training. And I think I was maybe four months on the job and I was tasked with leading some training. And I remember um, there was a customer kind of system administrators who later on told me, when you did that training, I didn't think you knew anything. I thought, who are they sending this young kid in to you know, tell us how to use this product? He doesn't even know what he's talking about. And we said, years later, you might not have known what you were talking about, but you were always really good at following up and making sure that when we had a problem, you were reliable, you would get us answers. And I really know now that you do know what you're talking about. And so to me, that, that was a great reminder of Even if you don't know what you're doing, as long as you can connect with customers, as long as you can be accountable for doing what you say you're going to do and helping people, that's really what customers want. And so that kind of really stuck with me and and made for a great project memory. Uh, Yeah, that that I guess I would probably put at one of the top of the implementations I've worked on over the years.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a great trial by fire
0: it's like anything, right? I mean, you got to learn at some point. And as long as you feel like you're as prepared as you can be, and you're able to kind of respond to the unknown, that's going to happen anywhere, right? Nothing's going to go perfect. And you got to lead people through. And honestly, that's out—that's the best way to learn, in my opinion, is to just give something a try. When things don't go perfectly, that's where, you know, the intersection with learning really lives.
1: Yeah. Now, vontus was part of Trapeze and it was, it was, became its own business unit to give focus on things outside of the building, things in the yard, ITS, yard management, things like that. So what's your vision for Vontis? I mean, you've just had your, you're a year old, what's the rest, what's year two and on look like?
0: So that's a great question, Tris. So the core solution, the Transmaster solution that we have today, I think has been around for 25 or 30 years, I mean, it was acquired by Trapeze to really build out that, that sort of enterprise level portfolio, 360 degree of transit, really allowing Trapeze to kind of do everything, be the one-stop shop and transit software for transit agencies. What I think we realized was over time, we maybe weren't giving enough oxygen at different parts of our business to allow for the type of innovation and growth at the speed that we really wanted to be able to meet the needs of our customers and the changing sort of landscape of the ITS environment, I guess, if you will, within North America. So that's really what spurred the creation of Vontis was really to help us better focus investment and speed of that investment as far as bringing new solutions and new capabilities to market for the ITS product offering that we have here at Vontis. And so this first year, it's been a lot of learning of you know, how are we gonna break ourselves out? How are we gonna scale up so that we can better serve our customers? I think we've finally gotten to a point where we've really stabilized in terms of what our focus is, where we're going, the areas we want to invest in. And I really think moving forward, it's about now executing on that vision, right? We've put a lot of uh, resources, time, energy into really better understanding our existing ITS customer base. The needs of them, working very closely with them to understand where they're going from a technology roadmap perspective and to make sure that we have solutions and that what we're doing to iterate on our own products are going to solve their needs, not just today, but in the future. So obviously a lot of time and effort going into electric vehicles, zero emission vehicles. It's a big focus of the industry right now. And so we're very much deep in that. How can we integrate what we're doing onboard vehicles into that. What can we do from a predictive maintenance perspective to help us better understand range, charging, how that integrates to where you're parking vehicles in the yard. All of those things are very, very much integrated into where we're trying to take Fontys and make sure that we're you know growing our product set to meet the needs of you know, transit agencies in the future. So I think a lot of kind of where we're going is really about that. It's about really understanding our customers, understanding what's important to them, And then taking that and turning that into a a real tangible investment plan that will allow us to modernize our solutions
1: and really bring new solutions to new problems. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, that's awesome. And now, related to your experience of development and releasing products, you've been a real advocate for agile methodology in the deployment of our products. There've been a few agencies I know that have benefited from this applying Agile methodology. And you were instrumental. How did you bring that in? Was it sort of a natural progression or was it one of those light bulb moments?
0: Yeah. So Agile methodology has existed for a long time, particularly within more so the product development space, right? As far as fail cheap, fail fast, really working through iterations of things versus trying to design and then build and then deliver and then get your feedback. When you do that, right, you just prime yourself to maybe think that you're solving a problem, and then by the time you get it to market to understand, did you actually solve the problem? You might have wasted both time and money as far as developing that solution. It's really not that different of a concept when it's related to the delivery of a project because it's about, instead of going through this old antiquated approach of, okay, well, we're going to sit down with our customer. We're going to design an entire solution. We're going to talk about how we're going to configure it. It's all going to be theoretical. We're going to look at pictures and workflows and all that good stuff. You know, it's important to have those things to memorialize what it is that you're doing. But every single project I've worked on, what you lay out as a design at the start of the project rarely ends up with the actual finished solution you get at the end of the at the end of that project and so agile methodology from a delivery or a project implementation perspective is really about let's get product in front of customers quickly let's get their hands on it so they can use it and they can better understand that well, this is what i think i want but You know, now that I've touched the product, I think this could maybe work instead. And it's about, again, that sort of iterative approach. Let's get something in, let's get working on it, and then let's iterate to make it better and fit your process versus spending months up front designing something that then when you go to implement, inevitably changes anyways. I think it really gives a customer a voice in that process. It creates a much closer partnership, a working partnership between customers and a vendor as you're implementing. And it seeks to build trust and ultimately allows you to implement much faster with a greater level of satisfaction, which we've really spent a lot of time I think, touting that, the think Transit last year, but Fort Worth, Trinity Metro down there in Fort Worth, we did a Transit Master implementation with them this past year and you know I think within 15 months, we effectively had projects start to finish, more or less completed, which is incredibly fast from a ITS implementation perspective and we're super proud with the solution we've been able to introduce there and the customer has been incredibly happy with how from a partnership perspective and from an implementation and solution perspective what they've ended up with so that's what we want to do with more of our customers we really want to kind of work with them in partnership to be able to implement these types of solutions very quickly and get them value much more quickly than historically they have in the past with sort of the old waterfall implementation approach
1: mm-hmm Because like when you deliver that package, I've been on more on the software implementation side of things, but like, or a website, when you deliver that package, like, okay, this is what you asked for. Here's what you got. Ta-da! You have rework. But in your methodology, you get that, yes, you have rework, but it's little little bitty parts of rework. And then has to make it more efficient. And like you said, better, I guess the customer takes more ownership. They feel like they're actually part of the process.
0: Absolutely. And
1: that's the key, right? When you're
0: really working in partnership and you're able to kind of demonstrate and show and work together and see what this looks like, not just conceptually, but in reality, out on the street, within your dispatch center, it also creates a greater trust in the solution that you're building and that you really do have each other's best interests in mind. And you really are trying to solve problems for each other to put something on the street that's going to make the lives of your, your drivers and
1: your riders that much better. Now I'm going to take a bit of a turn to a more personal note for you. Yeah. You've been a really big advocate, both at Trapeze and Vontis, for mental health awareness and diversity and inclusion. So I'm going to start with the mental health awareness side. Why is this important to you? Why is this something that you've sort of opened up yourself to the company to talk about?
0: Yeah, I think for me, being The truest version of myself means that you're also bringing the parts of you that aren't always the pieces that you want to celebrate, right? Like not everything is always great all the time. People have hard times due to circumstances outside of work, due to circumstances within work, with families, with whatever's going on. And having a level of sort of empathy towards other people, I think is really critically important and to me that's a direct intersection into mental health and raising awareness around that is that it's okay to not be okay and to sort of work to sort of destigmatize not being okay because for a long time in a lot of the systems that i've grown up in it's all about you know you gotta tough it out you gotta work hard and you gotta do these things and there's not a lot of space for you to not be okay you just kind of have to put on a face and pretend like everything's all right and for a lot of people that can turn into a breaking point and so for me it's i realize that i don't go through anywhere near probably the same trials tribulations challenges i recognize the privilege that i have in who the in in who i am and so it's never about comparative but at the same time just using my platform to be able to raise awareness around mental health around things like therapy and working to de- destigmatize not being okay i think is critically important because i think if we change the dialogue away from trying to just steal yourself and trudge on and instead say, it's okay to take a step back, it's okay to take room to breathe, it's okay to take room to not be okay, then it, it creates better connection, it creates better empathy and ultimately gives us the space to take a breath to try to bring our best versions of ourselves
1: to those around us. Yeah, that's a really strong, powerful message, and I think, from the employee side. Knowing that our leaders are supportive like that It helps bring that, that full authentic self, which builds trust. And when you have trust, you can tap into the passion and you can tap into all those great things that make us better employees. If we know it's like, if I'm having a bad day, I can just say, I'm really having a bad day, I'm going to be, I'm going to be laid low and that's okay. Absolutely. You mentioned privilege and that ties directly into diversity and inclusion. And I know having as diverse of a workforce as possible, age, gender, nationality, sexual orientation, everything can only benefit an organization. So how are you working and leading that, this change at Vontis to make a diverse and inclusive workforce?
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's big, right? I mean, I'll be the first to say, right. I'm a white male who has the most privilege really out there, right? I come from educated family. I come from opportunity. I've never really lacked for basic necessities or anything like that in my life. And so recognizing that is important. And what are we doing as far as diversity and inclusivity here at Vontis? I think it starts from an education perspective. It starts from a communication perspective, from recognizing it from naming it, and then it's about what are you doing to amplify the voices to really live the truth, right? I mean, diversity is easy, quote unquote, to measure. You can measure how many people you're adding that are of different ethnicities or genders or orientations. But if you're not taking the time then to create spaces where those folks feel accepted, feel like they have belonging, feel like their voices are welcomed and that they have not just representation, but a level of of equity, that's critically important. So I'll be the first to say, I think we have a long ways to go to continue to build that profile at Vontis, but it's something that I'm very encouraged that our executive leadership team is talking about. We're taking time to educate ourselves, to have conversations, to try to figure out what are some ways that we can Promote those types of conversations internally to amplify voices and to create a better space of belonging. I don't have all the answers. I won't claim to, and we'll definitely need to look to others to help us along this journey. But I think we all are bought into the idea and completely believe that in order to have a vibrant, company that's going to succeed, not just now, but in the future, it's critically important that we have people that represent the broader environment, I guess, if you will, that we serve, both from a public transit perspective and from, you know, in North America, diversity. And uh, yeah, overall, I guess, kind of makeup, if you will, North America.
1: And we wanna get there. Yeah, it is a journey and it's a process and we have a long way to go. But like you said, I like this approach and not just we're going to hire the numbers but you're going to build a welcoming place for the numbers to know that they are valued as their diversity is the is an inherent value to Vontus in that perspective i think that's so strong well last question what drives you to do this work you know what's that force that keeps you going what's that that fuels the passion that you that's so clear and evident in what you do
0: yeah i really think a lot of it ties back to rightly or wrongly i'm a very passionate person i feel i'm learning that i feel big feelings even though i think a lot of times i've tended to try to keep my big feelings maybe a little smaller but i really care like i I care about the people that i've worked with i've built relationships with over the past 11 years i care about the what we're trying to do to amplify voices that haven't been heard historically i really care about solving problems that I think can make the world a better place, that can help us environmentally, that I really care about the the mission of public transit in terms of what we're trying to do to to move people in in an efficient and equitable and sustainable way. I think all of those things are what keep me coming back to work each and every day to make sure that I'm doing what I can to make the world a better place, to create opportunity for
1: those around me that maybe don't always have it. That's what keeps me coming back. Yeah, and that's a great goal in nothing else, that you are not going to solve it anytime soon. You have this to shoot for Uh, your career.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a little daunting, in knowing that there isn't necessarily an end in sight, cross this line, and you've succeeded. But like anything, big problems like this that we're, we're seeking to help influence or be a part of the solution you can look backwards and you can see the progress that you've made. You might not feel it in the moment and you might not know what that looks like as you are stepping forward into the future. But I firmly believe that as long as we kind of remain rooted in the, the values that feed that, that it's going to put me in a position to hopefully 20 years from now, look back and say, yeah, I can see I made a tangible difference in these areas when that we're in a better place than when I started. And that's really what I want, right? That's so being a dad's about, it's about leaving a better world for my kids. It's about leaving a better world for those around me. And I really hope to be able to say I succeeded in that
1: in the future. Fantastic. Well, Thank you, Eric. This has been a great interview. I've learned a lot more about you than the few minutes we got to chat at Think Transit. And this has been Inside Invantis and our chat with Eric Lehman, COO of Invantis and his vision for public transit now and into the future. Thank
0: you so much, Driss. I really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to the next time we connect.